BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I am Adam Weinrib alongside co-host Thomas Carinante, as always, but joined today by a very special guest, Kate Maniscalco. Ask Kate on uh, TikTok. You know her, of course, uh, from her, you know, everything that she does. You might have been introduced to her when she vowed to run uh, based on how many runs the Yankees scored, but she does so much more than that. We are so happy to have her on the show today. Thank you for joining us, Kate. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Very missing baseball right now, so I'm excited to talk Yankees. Yeah, uh, we're excited to talk Yankees with you. We probably would have been more excited in in 2022, but we're excited to have you, uh, and we'll talk about the Yankees' future. Uh, We're going to address David Ross. Uh, We can't live down the allegations that he did turn the Yankees down. It's true. He will not be our bench coach, and Joe Espada will not either. He's the Astros manager. Do the Yankees have a better chance at Yoshinobu Yamamoto than the Mets do? It's kind of a weird thing that Andy Martino said over the weekend. Are we all of a sudden favorites for Cody Bellinger, and how aggressive should the Yankees be this offseason? We'll hit the Yankees offseason aggression meter with Kate and also get to know her a good deal up top. But first, Thomas Carinade, you have a special offer for our sponsor. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Um, how are you all doing? Thanks for tuning in. Um, Bet365 is still here. Uh, remember that offer from the MLB postseason they had for us? It was for new users who registered with the code YGY betting. Still valid. Um, you're eligible to receive up to $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is deposit $10, place a $5 wager on any game. Once that first bet settles, you'll receive that $150 in bonus bets. Even if you lose, just make sure you use the code again, YGY betting at sign up. Very important. You will not only get that $150 in bonus bets upon using the code, but you will also be supporting us, your favorite people. Um, Kate, too. Kate's now, I guess, part of the family, so you'll be supporting her. Yeah, we will make sure whatever money you use on this promotion, we will funnel some back to Kate. We will agree on a percentage after the show (laughs) is over. (laughs) It has 1% royalties of this. Um, Perfect. The the offer is only available to new customers, again, who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Oh, man. Okay, what would be your one Yankees bet this offseason? One. Signing, trade, firing, something. Signing, trade. I think signing, I'm going to go with. Juan Soto, I feel like they are going to be the favorites to get him. I know that a lot of people are saying, oh, Yankees fans are so delusional, but I actually think that is, if I had to bet my money on it, I think that they are going to go get him. Okay. 
you're getting us, I think, at a point where I feel the same way too. And like maybe yeah. uh, my pulse changes in like a week and a half. Maybe it's just that post GM meetings glow, but I think I would probably place the same bet despite a bunch of people talking about the Yankees and Cody Bellinger, which we'll get into later. Uh, but before uh, we dive too much into the team that we we all love and also bothers the hell out of us, why don't you tell us and an audience, which, you know, hey, some of them are peers, some of them might be 55 years old, find us on Facebook. They don't know <laughs> what we're doing. They don't know uh, who you are, how you got involved. Why don't you um, tell the crowd a little bit about, you know, your Yankee story how you got to the place where you're at today and, and what you've been doing over the last couple of months. Cause I know there's been some really exciting stuff and you've been literally at the world series, literally with Derek Jeter. So yeah. uh, what's this ride been like? Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. I feel like the past, like you said, six months have just my entire life kind of changed with social media, but my history with the Yankees was right out of college. I worked for the yes network for two years, all behind the scenes stuff with our research department I was a graphics coordinator, so the way I explain this to older people is those little things that you see on the screen that says, like, Aaron Judge average and stats. That's what I did, so I looked those up, put them on the screen, and I loved my job there, but I always was someone that I knew, like, my first journalism class in college, I wanted to be on the air, and I wanted to do um, more, like, interviewing and storytelling, so I kind of took a big risk, and I just started pursuing my side hustle at the time, which was TikTok full-time. And then I was freelancing just, you know, to make ends meet. And after that, I started this series called Running a Mile for Every Run the Yankees Score the Night Before. Didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, this is going to be so funny because whatever. And that blew up, like, Talking Yanks, reposted it. I had an interview with the New York Post. So that's kind of, I would say, I hate using this phrase with the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing, but, like, put me on the map. Was that, like, running thing? Um so I did that. And then I basically started teaching baseball and sports to women, which ultimately also led to my success on social media. And then, yeah, I ended up at the World Series, which was crazy. Obviously would have loved if the Yankees were in it. But Rangers Diamondbacks, I was at game one, which not to brag or anything, I think it was the best game. Nice walk off from Dallas Garcia. But yeah, so that's a little bit about me, my background. I've always worked in television, always been a big Yankee fan growing up. And that's what I do now. That's awesome. Um, yeah, in looking at all of your TikToks, like that's how I've come to know you as somebody who's informing. I don't even, you know, obviously you're um, the CEO of Hot Girls Talking Sports. We know that. <laughs> but we know that you are kind of the go-to source for anybody who's not a diehard fan. Yeah. And I showed your stuff to my wife the other day because she doesn't really follow sports. She'll just like know stuff by extension from me. And, you know, like I can just keep, I can keep talking and talking. And then at some point, like the the uh, retention rate is over um, yeah. looking at your stuff. It's like, Oh, 30 seconds of this explaining me this, like what impact, what impassioned you to do that? Like, did you, were you, have you always been super into sports and like, didn't have enough um, female friends who were as interested? Like what was your main, what was your main end goal here? Yeah, that was kind of how it started, especially because I would be explaining certain aspects about sports to my friends and they would look at me like I had 12 heads <laughs> and I think it's because I was using lingo and terms that they weren't familiar with so the whole reason initially behind that was to try and explain like a lot of the terms like just baseball terms that nobody knows about unless you're an avid watcher to women and I kind of just found it as a way to get more women involved with the sport I'm also a big strategic person so I found that on social media it was like 88 percent of my following was male 
I said, mm, okay, well, how do I get more females? <laughs> so, you know, come on the ASCII bandwagon. So that's when I started explaining it. And yeah, baseball ones were doing well. Football ones, because there are more people interested in football. So those started doing really well as well. But yeah, that's kind of how I did. I wanted more women to actually enjoy games and watching them. And I think a women explaining it to them is a lot better than having a man try and like reiterate basic terms to them. A thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I've tried so hard not to do. And then occasionally will be like telling a story about my favorite baseball moment to my wife and just being yeah. like, she doesn't want this. She does, not, <laughs> no. she does not want to know why Paul O'Neill getting a standing ovation in the 2001 World Series was meaningful to me. She just like yes. does not care. And you don't have to care, but you're doing a great job of of explaining uh, these things and, and the content's great. Um, Thank you. I would love to um, talk a little bit more about, let's talk Yankees um, and sort of your personal fandom. We'll talk about the team today and, and where we stand, but like, what's your, what are the core memories of your childhood fandom? Cause I feel like you are, you're sort of right in that area where like maybe dynasty, you're a little, you know, young, you got, yeah, stuck, too young. You got stuck with some tough, tough Yankee years. Yeah. It's, it's actually interesting because I did, um, uh, for Paul O'Neill's retirement ceremony, I worked on his feature. So my job was basically just watching every single game from the 1998 year. And I'm just sitting there going, I wasn't even born yet. Like, this would have been great. But, yeah, I feel like the core memory would be the 2009 World Series. I just turned 10 years old. So that's something that I remember, but not, you know, as vividly as I hope it's so funny like I talk to my parents who are both passionate Yankee fans all the time like I would have loved to been you know like 21 in from 95 to 2001 that would have been great but yeah I don't have that many like core memories I will say the most recent one I have was the 2019 ALCS it was game five that one was phenomenal so that and then the 2009 World Series were my two like biggest Yankee memories yeah, you are right in that zone of like, I think, look, we're this is a Yankee fan podcast, which is good because mostly fans are going to be listening to it and watching it. But you're right in that spot. And, and a lot of people are in that spot where it's like it hasn't been that peachy for Yankee fans of a certain age who like definitely did not absorb the four World Series. Got one and it's great yeah. to get one. But there's a lot of bloated payrolls and disappointment in there and again if you are not a Yankee fan do not listen to this do not think about this don't have this conversation with us but if you are you know that it's really not like phenomenal all the time and you get made fun of on social media because you end up you know a fan of this team that disappoints more often than not yeah no absolutely and especially the it's funny like the argument that a lot of people my age is oh well we have 27 rings it's like well you've been around for one of them like you've literally been alive for one world series so that's tough, like, having that argument, and I feel like, I think Jared Kravis tweeted out this year, he said, like, I feel bad for the younger Yankee fans, because they really have, like, no argument on how to defend their teams. Like, well, I wasn't even around for the dynasty or the legacy. Yeah, they get all the baggage without, like, any of the <laughs> actual success. Yeah, Cowboys, modern uh, baseball Cowboys. That's, yep. what we, that's what we argue every single episode with. Anytime we lose this, any series, it doesn't matter. Like you'll, we'll get anybody in in the mentions or like quote tweeting us from an old article where we thought we would predict something and we were wrong because that that never happens. We can't right. we can't possibly have that ever happen. <laughs> um, you frequent Yankee Stadium a lot. I do. Yes, yeah. I went a lot this year. Yeah. What's what's like? What's your perfect day there? Give us the rundown. Ooh, perfect day. I will. This year was the first 
year I ever went to opening day, I feel like that magic was just like different. Opening day was so cool. I tell everyone, like, if you ever have the opportunity to go, like take off work, go. It was funny. We were interviewing fans and like, what are you telling your boss that you're doing saying? I'm like, oh, I told them I'm at work. It's I'm working from home. It's fine. But I think perfect day, you got to get a little bit, got to get there a little bit early, go to Billy's, mm-hmm. bar across the street, have a drink or two. And then I want to be there like before the national anthem. I'm a big proponent of like, I, w- I want to be in my seat like before the game starts. I don't want to be, you know, running to my seat. And then I think outcome, I would love like a good walk off at the end because don't like blowouts. I'm, I was at like one of the A's games this year. Don't like high scoring games. Want it to be close up until, you know, eighth or ninth inning. Something like that would be great. A good four, three pitchers duel. But that's my dream. Four, three pitchers duel would be I love that too. perfect. So when you watch, a, like you love walk offs, you like being in the stadium for a walk off. Yeah. If it's a tight game, if it's a huge playoff game, do you watch at a bar? Do you watch from home? Like, do you have superstitions, like psycho mode? Or are you kind of like <laughs> trying to be around people? Because I definitely go back and forth. I don't really know. I have to say, if it's a playoff game, uh, the I probably could only watch it with my dad. Like, I will not go to a bar. I can't handle it. I feel like the stress is just way too much. I tried doing it last year um, during the division series, and they ended up losing to – the guardians like it was like one of the games that they lost and i said okay never again i will never watch the people again so now i have to be by myself during a playoff game i mean the worst thing and i look i hope to have this problem someday but if they're back in the world series and if they have a chance to clinch or something yes. like that if they're home i want to go but if not i do want to be i want to be with friends i want to be in public but if they lose i will never forgive myself so i'm definitely <laughs> gonna have to like I, i'm already thinking about it and i shouldn't be because they're 82 and 80 and we're gonna be spending the whole back half of the podcast talking about coaches who don't want to come here, but I still yeah. am thinking about the world series and like, how would I manage it? And if we lost, would I be responsible? And I feel like I would be. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how Yankee fans think too. They're like, no, it's my, it's my fault. It's my fault because I went to the game or because I did something different than I normally do that day. Yeah. I tweeted something mean about Dustin Pedroia. Yeah. Like, I guess it's probably. <laughs> <laughs> We kind of have the same superstitions around like the team making moves, right? And I think it's it's a it's good for us to talk about the offseason because um I don't know like we write we're writing articles all the time and I get spooked out. I'm like, if we write about something too much, it's just not gonna happen. And that's like one yes. of my superstitions. And so now it's 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 been difficult for me to concoct like my dream offseason for this team because I don't know like what is exactly realistic or what they're going to do because it's been all so cloudy. So you need to tell us, Kate, what's your dream outcome for this offseason? Everything's on the – just about everything within reason is on the table. Yeah. So it's funny. I hate seeing those people that are like, oh, we're going to get Otani, Bellinger, and Soto. I'm like, okay, let's just relax. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I – for this offseason, I think they definitely need an outfielder and a left-handed bat. I feel like if they do not do that, that is a waste and – that would absolutely be awful. So a Bellinger, Juan Soto would be great. Yamamoto, I know that they're saying that the Mets are also in on him. I feel like he would be the perfect mix for that rotation of, I mean, if you move Michael Kang as a starter, then you have Michael Kang, Garrett Cole, Rodon, Nestor, and then Yamamoto. That's, that, that would be a dream. So Yamamoto, Soto, or Bellinger, because I don't see them acquiring both. I think if you get Soto, you can also get um, a Brandon Donovan from the Cardinals, just another left-handed bat, another outfielder, just to allow some depth. I think that Glaber Torres, unfortunately, is going to have to go. I think Clark Schmidt's going to be in one of those trade packages, but 
a pitcher and an outfielder, maybe another bullpen relief for cheap if we can. If we were to get Soto, I personally agree with Brian Hope from The Athletic. I think everyone should be on the table with the exception of Cole and Judge. If you got to give away Peraza, Pereira, and like a Drew Thorpe from the minor leagues, that's fine. I know we don't have the best farm system, but I, I say that anyone is on the table for Soto. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like Dominguez is scary. I, w- I wish I, uh, like, I don't want to give up Dominguez. There's a yeah. chance, if you'd asked me last summer, like before we saw him, would you give up Dominguez for a year of Juan Soto? I, I probably would have said yes, but now that we've we seen that for Luis Castillo, we were like, yeah, well, yeah. Dominguez, like he's not going to be here for another two years. Like, let's get Luis Castillo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's and now that I've seen him and now that he's injured, now that his value throughout the league is maybe a little lower than it should yeah. be, like, right. no thanks. But you, sh- you probably shouldn't have to do that for Juan Soto, and I, and I hope no. not. Um, I love the Brendan Donovan move. I think a lot of yeah. fans are being unfair to the idea of Brendan Donovan, thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, that'll be our, the centerpiece of our offseason. I don't even know who that is. And it's like, he shouldn't be the centerpiece. No. You know, might not be the only – won't be the only move. If they acquire him, they're not going to stop at Brendan Donovan. If they do, you could scream at them. But I do feel like that's a great fit. Um, but we don't really – I wish we, we – you know, when we planned doing this show, I thought we might know a little bit more about how the offseason was going to yeah. go because we – oh, Brian Cashman and Hal are talking at the GM meetings. We'll know more about the direction. And then we just got like a meltdown. We just got like a scared guy <laughs> lashing out. But a guy with job security? Like why is he screaming? Why is he upset? Like how did that make you feel? Are you scared? I'm more scared now to talk about the offseason than I was. Well, just because I don't know. Like, I feel like he could go rogue. He could not spend out of spite. Like, is he okay? I think there's a lot of factors going on here. Yeah, I just the slew of emotions that were portrayed during those conversations, I think was the most astounding for me. Excuse my language, but the, like, I think we're pretty effing good was. We're, we're That's his language. That's not your language. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> like worst team in 30 years? Do you, do you think so? And you can address the injuries, but also take accountability at the same time. And I feel like that wasn't really addressed during the conversations. And also, I, I believe it was Joel Sherman asking him the questions about yeah. um, Peraza, if Peraza could have played more if he was hitting. And Cashman was just extremely defensive. I have no idea why. And he was like, well, if he would have hit, but where where would he have played? And he goes, well, if he's out hitting Josh Donaldson, then I think that's the point that they were trying to make to him. And I feel like he just wasn't getting that. I am now concerned with the offseason because I do feel like Cash is the type of person to be like, yeah, no, you're right. And you know what? Screw you guys. I'm not going to get anyone. We're fine. It was just the injuries. Otherwise, they're going to be set. But I do think like Judge and Cole, hopefully, will have something to say to someone. I don't even know if that will impact it at all. But I mean, watching Judge the last game of just distraught on his face, like I think taking in the season, I'm hoping that something will happen. Yeah. What What are you, like you and your gen, like your generation of Yankee fans? How do you guys feel about like Cashman and well, it's different. I mean, you're uh, how old are you, Kate? That's true. Twenty four. Yeah. So like we're yeah we're ten years older than you. So we yeah. have like we're we're in a different realm and we're closer to like the realm of like crazy Yankees fans. We're like, the dude. guys on TikTok. You know when somebody likes your video and it's like user one two three four nine seven four three and it's like that's <laughs> yeah. us on TikTok. We don't yeah. have usernames. Like, yeah, we're just chilling. They, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. yeah, track us down. They'll give us a tell. They'll give us a DM telling telling us how much we're we're wrong. Um, but yeah, we're like closer and we grew up with that obviously because like you know. 
fathers, grandparents, all that, like we knew like what their mentality was. And um, it's interesting to see it kind of change over time. But Cashman's been here for 25 years. He's spanned multiple generations of fans um, and the conversations, uh, you know, I think this offseason have probably reached a point where everyone's kind of on the same page, but previously like people were divided on Cashman, like thought he made really good moves. Some people thought he was, you know, his time was up. Like, what are like you, what, what do you think particularly about his regime and how everything has kind of um, seemingly turned over the last 10 years or so? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people from my age are not used to the fact, but they hear from the older generation that it used to be like a World Series or bust mentality. And that's just something that we haven't seen. It hasn't been portrayed. I remember last year, they were like, we were one of the the last four teams here. And like, of course, this is fun. It's like, well, you were just swept in the ALCS. Mm -hmm. So I think Cashman does get a lot of criticism and it is a very difficult job. However, when you have this type of payroll to blame something on injuries and to not address the fact that your entire team collapsed due to one player being out is ridiculous. I do think people, specifically my generation, are kind of like fed up about it and want something different. I'm curious, is the older generation similar or are they, oh, they, are they, they worse? They might they be more, yeah, they might be. I feel like we bridged the gap between the people who are just like not even willing to think about Brian Cashman and be like, I'm done. I was done six years ago. It's over. Yeah. And then you guys who are like, also pretty fed up, but at least understand that like he did win World Series, right? He did. He was the architect. Yes. He does make under the radar moves. We sort of we try to toe that middle line, right? But at the same time, it's a lot of years of no titles in a row. It's, it's a lot. lot of years of poorly managing a budget. Like I don't know yeah. how many years is too many. He's been here a while. Like jobs get stale. Yeah, especially last year too. Like with uh, it was after they signed. Rodon, they said to the media, no, we're not done yet this offseason. And then they didn't make another move. Mm-hmm. So like, wait, I think the, the fans are also just confused that they'll say things like that and then not like follow through with what they're actually going to do. Same thing with like Hal in the in the beginning of the year when he goes, I don't understand why Yankee fans are so mad right now. Like, why are they so mad? Well, now do you understand why they're so angry? But I feel like it's something that they really don't understand the market or the fan base and maybe a hint of just like being greedy because again, people are going to go and sell out the stadium. They're still going to go to games despite if the Yankees aren't succeeding. It's true. And yeah, we, we have like the people who have um, been alive for George Steinbrenner, like being super aggressive and making those moves and him at least not, if he couldn't fulfill a promise, I think more times than not, he would wrong a right. Right. Um, or right or wrong, I'm sorry. This sorry, wrong in all those rights. These yeah, days. I'm, I'm used to being, I'm used to having my, my rights wrong. Brian um, Cashman did a press conference last week. He's like, I think I'm gonna wrong some rights. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few rights last year. I think I'm gonna wrong them. I'm gonna trade them to San Diego. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that like those that, that group of fans is is used to the follow through and the accountability. Right. Um, and they're they're not getting that there's a version of that or at least you know there's a lot to be desired on that front because that what you just said that line we're not done yet everybody's still holding on to that i think like yeah. i've heard i listen to talking yanks regularly like that's come up a lot in there um you know the last few months when like like we were talking about before like everything's kind of gone downhill the discourse around the yankees has just been so tough to kind of deal with um and i think that uh that brings us into like roster questions like adam and i are always talking about 
get these guys off the roster, get this, you know, get this certain player off the roster. Don't need, doesn't need to be here anymore. We've seen enough. It's kind of like with this regime, whatever. So like, are there any players that, um, that you're done with that need to be traded that need to be, um, you know, even released out, you know, kind of like what we did with Aaron Hicks. We were just like, great, we're done. Any, any particular player or group of players you're feeling uh, that way toward heading into the new season? I wouldn't say anyone that, if this was last year and this was a Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks situation, or if this was IKF consistently playing shortstop and making us want to bash our head against the wall, maybe. But I think the only player that I'm getting frustrated with would be Stanton right now. And again, there seems to be like no repercussions, like no sense of urgency. I am also- Did you see what Cashman said, by the way? No, about- He said the reality is, is that he's just going to be hurt more often than not. That's funny. So he just Which told true. Yeah, it's I, he, I mean, I guess he's not lying, but it's crazy yeah. because they're like they're just they're resigned to that being the case. They're just like, uh, yeah. yep, D, stuck in the DH spot for ninety games and then injured for fifty. I, it's it's awful, and I it also takes away I think from like slightly off topic, but like the athleticness in baseball. Do you guys remember the game? I think I think he was rounding third, and he was basically like walking oh, yeah. home. Astros. Like, I just that like n- no sense of urgency from him like kind of angers me and I get you, you don't want to get hurt but at the same time as a fan watching that it's like wh- what are we doing so your job is if I don't hit a home run I'm not going to hustle because then there then there's no point that that he's just someone that's been bothering yeah. me but or is that, there anyone for you guys Yeah no or he's like that's the other thing that like he's just always so hurt that he's put in these situations where it looks like he's not giving effort and like because we think the same thing we're like why are you in the game if that's happening why is the third base coach sending you in any situation and then because then like two weeks later we're in Toronto and there's a ground ball to shortstop and they send him home and it's like what are you you're not going to hold him on the single to right field with a guy who has a cannon but you're gonna he's going home on a grounder to shortstop so I think like also like that's where everything's out of whack like players are not being put in the right positions but i also think you know like i'll i'll gladly answer your question who we're done with um you know <laughs> so give me the mic i want to know yeah i mean like yeah i mean a lot of people's time is expired like whether you're put in a bad position or not time comes where you have to an- you know answer for certain things and um you have to be held accountable for your performance and what's going on so like my my biggest one is I know he's gone, but like it's Luis Severino. I couldn't. It was it was reaching a point. My buddy said to me the other day that he hopes we we re-sign him because he knows how good he is and he thinks we can get a good price. And I was just like, no, dude, no. I, I won't be able to stomach that. Like, I wish nothing but the best for Luis Severino, but I can't go into every season, you know, like we did the last three years, like thinking we're gonna have the co-ace, and then it's either performance based issue, um, mental issue, or physical issue that derails it and like players like that like i thought they should have either picked up the team option and traded them last offseason or just declined the team option and said you know what we have 15 million extra dollars we're gonna we're gonna sign somebody else and then that would have probably given them the bandwidth to make that move that they you know were they, that they claim they weren't done yet that would have been the next move so that that's my number one for me and like in terms of who's here and who needs to go like i just i think labor torres's time has just passed i don't like i think he's a good player um, I just think change of scenery is needed. They're clearly not going to extend him. If you guys, I, I saw the comments from the agent where it was like, we didn't approach him. Brian Cashman made it a point in the, in the presser to say, this is Glaber Torres last year with the Yankee or the uh, final year of his contract. And it's like, okay, but you're calling him the second best hitter in the 
on the team and one of the best second basemen in all of baseball. So like, why isn't there an extension talked about then? Are you just going to trade him? Like you're, it's the, it's like the Gio Rochelle talk. It's like Gio Rochelle is our starting third baseman, starting shortstop, whatever. Starting and shortstop. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks later, he's gone. Yeah. It's like, so yeah, those, those are, those are my two. Adam, Adam's got quite a few. No, Ooh. I mean, <laughs> I think that's probably, you probably maxed out my list too. Like they took care of most of my problems. Like Domingo Herman is gone. I don't have to go on that rant again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Glaber, I think, yeah, you know, I wish him well. I always sarcastically tweet, like, I wish you well in your future endeavors when he makes a weird mental error. But I do, like, I, I do, I will wish him well wherever he goes, but I think his time here is probably done. Um, yeah, Stan bothers the hell out of me. And I've been saying, it's like he said the quiet part out loud. Like, I keep saying, like, well, play him and make him run hard, and then he will break down and get hurt, and then you can go replace him. Like, yeah. you know, you don't have to bat him clean up every day. He's obviously going to break down at some point. But then when Cashman says that, it's worrisome. Um, I think that's the laundry list of people I just, like, don't ha- have a lot of trouble. Like, even Carlos Rodon, I back. Like, yeah. I, I thought that was a perfect signing last offseason, and I spent all year being like, you guys don't get it. Like I was a hipster talking about jazz. I was like, no, no, no. Carlos Rodon is sick. Like you don't understand. <laughs> and then of course he, every time I defended him, he was worse and worse, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for one more season. Cause I just, I just love it. I love the fire. I love the intensity that the stuff metrics didn't go down this year. He should be good next year, but if he's yeah. not, then everybody does have the right to do Carl Pavano and whatever you, I, I would just say, give him a year. And if he's still terrible next year, we can do all that stuff. I agree. I, I think it's just him coming back from injury this year, but I think he'll he'll be yeah. fine. I hope so. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. We got a lot to get into. Shockingly, that the Yankees named a hitting coach during this podcast uh, became official. The comment section's been lighting up. Uh, James Rousen is our hitting coach. We got that handled. We don't have a bench coach. We're just going to rapid fire uh, some of these trending topics on the backside of this show. Um, Rousen, look, we, we talked about him last week. He was the rumored name. It became official today. It took longer than we thought. Led the Twins offense. It set the record for most home runs in a season. Former Yankee minor leaguer, minor league coordinator for six years, close with Aaron Judge, has the bona fides. A hitting coach is only as good as his roster, so go make the lineup better, and then maybe we'll have positive opinions of James Rousen. But I don't have much to say. You know, I think we, we've covered him. David Ross as a bench coach, though, is an option mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed. Joe Espada as well. Both men within a 24-hour period were off the table. Espada got the Astros managerial job. Good for him. Congrats. Hope we don't regret that. David Ross actively said, don't want to come back now after being fired by the Cubs unless somebody's going to make me the manager. The Yankees are not willing to do that. Um, and I think we're going to have probably larger conversations about Boone in a year or so, but not right now. And I get it. 
but Kate, you know, what's, what are your thoughts on David Ross as a fit, as someone we're not going to have? And then thoughts on the bench coach job in general, which is still open and hopefully won't be for long. Yeah. So with David Ross, I mean, I would have liked to see him in the managerial role. However, with Boone, like we said, he's not going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere, 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 anytime soon. And the thing about Boone is like the players like him. So I don't see that being replaced. Like I know the media is sick of him, but the players like him. As for the bench coach, I I don't know who I could see filling that. I mean, the hitting coach situation, I like Sean Casey, but I guess you have to place the blame on someone. So until they start hitting, they're just going to filter out hitting coaches. But I can't really pinpoint anyone that I personally would see as the bench coach. I'm curious to hear what you guys think, if there's anyone certain that stands out. Well, we, I mean, we, I think David Ross felt like a good connection because, um, he could seamlessly take over for Aaron Boone after next year, unless there is a complete shift in whatever, uh, this team's championship, you know, right. realistic expectations are. Let's do that though. Let's have a complete yeah. shift. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I'm tired I mean, of I, not having that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like a good, you know, it's either that, or I'm a big proponent of having, you know, the warning signs, you know, the writing potentially mm-hmm. being on the wall it lights fire under people and it, you know, it could create different results. And David Ross is a younger guy. I think that's probably the trend of where managers are going at this point. The bench coach, as we've seen across the league, like it's the direct pipeline essentially to the manager job. Yeah. So I think it's an important thing for the Yankees to hit on. Um, that said, running out of options, very clear. Um, I don't know uh, who they interviewed Andrew Bailey today, Adam. Yeah. 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 So they interviewed Andrew Bailey today, who's the Giants pitching coach for the last four years and was yeah. supposed to be the Red Sox pitching coach this year. He's the director of something at Craig Breslow's foundation. So mm-hmm. like if you fumble that bag, like if you run the Red Sox and don't hire your best friend to be pitching coach, it's kind of a weird one. Um, yeah. But he's interviewing today. Hopefully we know more about that later. Uh it is, it is a direct pipeline to manager, so I don't want to go too veteran. But if the Yankees yeah. want their own Dusty Baker, you could do worse than bringing Willie Randolph back. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's not the worst idea in the world to get someone with that veteran wisdom in there. Then you can go younger when you have to replace the manager. Um, Nick Swisher felt like a fun candidate. We joked about him earlier. But honestly, what does a bench coach do other than consult the manager, listen to him, like, look, I don't know, learn – learn in-game strategy, but you're mostly just like, you don't have to be a yes man, but your job is mostly no. to hang out by the manager, hype up the team. And if the manager wants to complain to you, you take it, you feed it to the players who need to hear it. Like I'd rather have Nick Swisher be there than in the front office where he apparently is working with Cashman and Omar Minaya and, and company. Yeah. Um, but those are my, I mean, look, just, just get it right. Just get a name yeah. who like James, again, James Rouse and hitting coach. Is he a successful hitting coach? Not successful. I don't know. It's going to matter. Like the players are going to help him out maybe and his reputation out bench coach. I just want a name. I want to know yeah. that guy has baseball expertise. I've seen that guy in world series dog piles. Like he's been here forever. He's done it forever. And, uh, and now he's here in pinstripes. Like it's a great job. You know, yeah. you don't have blame for anything. You're like no. pretty much second in command and you get to do stuff behind the scenes and it's probably a lot easier. You don't have to deal with the media all the time. Like, yeah. I feel like that would be the, yeah, that's, you know what? New aspiration bench coach. Dream job. <laughs> there it is. You get to stay in the sport you like. You get to, it's, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. I mean, I wish they would have, um, you made a good point, Kate, like the, the players like Aaron Boone and Adam and I are always 
I am whining constantly about how this team makes like the wrong chemistry moves and they don't yeah. have like, the, the finger on the pulse of the clubhouse. You know, the Jordan Montgomery trade, I think, exemplified that yeah. best. And we're currently in between a rock and a hard place right now because we know the players like Aaron Boone, but we know like a change needs to happen. And it probably has to start with Aaron Boone because I think at this point we know the front office is not going to have um, some sort of uh, house cleaning or whatever. So now it makes things more difficult because like you want Cashman to go, I guess, against what he's been uh, inclined to do. And then in th- in this instance, it's going to create some sort of friction you would think. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I mean, I would have just been, I would have just been like, great, David Ross, your manager. You don't want to be bench coach. Cool. Aaron Boone, you're yeah. last year of your contract. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Boone, how does bench coach sound? Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to switch. He's like, it's good. It's a, you don't have to worry about all the criticism. Imagine he takes he – did, I, heard, I heard them on the Yanks going on podcast. They were, t- they were talking about it. <laughs> Cashman brings them both in. And he goes, would you guys be down for a swap? You guys, <laughs> you guys seen Freaky Friday? Um, you seen 13 going on 30? Well, yeah. now you're a bench coach. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I do think that that's probably the, the right – um, the right vibe. I just want someone with experience. Yeah. Um, so I'm worried about a spotta. I think it's, it's the Astros just leveling up again. It's you yeah. lose everything from the cheating scandal. You get dusty, dusty Baker, you lose dusty Baker. Now you have this guy who's been here with all this championship experience, all this high leverage experience. And it seems like it's just going to be seamless. I know they have a lot of questions coming up next off season, but they always seem to figure it out. Yeah. And Kate, I will throw this one out there too, for you though. Like, you're a 2009 Yankees fan. Those are your sort of your core memories. Like I have friends who want this and friends who don't. Do you want Alex Rodriguez in the dugout at some point? No, I, 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 <laughs> I don't. I, even. I, I'm an A-Rod I love him. I do. I think it's going to be hard to get like the players respect from him in that regard. So I feel like, you know, stick with the Sega Fox, do your broadcast. I think he does a great job at that. As phenomenal as he as he's been, you know, like top five player, I I don't know how that would bode well. Would you want to see him in the? I, I'm on the camp. No, I'm on camp. No, I, I also yeah. just. I mean, before like I've wrestled with this for a long time. Like we won the World Series in '09, so clearly worth it. Good to have a yeah. Rod. He had a postseason for the ages, but. I definitely every six months I'm like, was the overall A-Rod experience worth it? Was the extension worth it? Like the baggage. When you're when you're going into Fenway and you're actually on the wrong side of history, that sucks. Like when all the fans in the stands are like, you did steroids, you did whatever, you know, you cheated, you're stealing money, you're suspended. And all you have to do as a Yankee fan is just be like, uh-huh, we're the villains today. Like, oops, it doesn't feel good. So I think overall, um, I'll take the ring. I'm ha- and the memories are great. And he's had a good post-career rehab. And I guess him and Madison from Southern Charm dated, and that's great. But mm-hmm. overall, I think, no, I do not want him to be back in the dugout. Yeah. What about the redemption story, though? Like, A-Rod's kind of uh, – now that you bring all that yeah. up, it is tough to justify. But A-Rod's done a 180, I think. Yes. Yeah. I, he's like – he's reinvented his personality. He's kind of um, – he's put all the uh, unsavory aspects, I guess, of his um, of his character in the rear view and has, I guess, a tone for everything and – and seems to be in a good place. Um, I think maybe you, I I think you guys are right. Like, I think maybe the next generation of players like Mm -hmm. that, all that stuff can blow over and there won't be a respect factor and there probably won't be that type of concern. So I guess I'll change my answer. Yes to a rod. Not right. Yes to a rod in 2030. (laughs) I like it. 
Yeah. Give him seven years. We're good. Yeah, give him seven years in the booth. He's, he'll learn how to deal with the, you know, he'll de- he'll learn how to, you know, deal with the media because now he he's asking the questions. He knows what tough stuff he's going to be. Obviously, he has experience doing this as a player, but now, he's, you know, he's been out of the league for so long. Now he's at the back of the front lines again. Get all this media training because when you become manager for the Yankees, it's no holds barred because, you know, the front office doesn't have your back. Yeah. How about this? A-Rod manager in 10 years, bench coach Carlos Correa. Sure. Recently yeah. retired Carlos Correa. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Sure. This is exactly where I, I like the hypotheticals. Podcast. I like yeah. them. Yeah. Exactly I exactly where I thought this podcast was going to go. I was like, we'll have Kate on. This will be great. We'll be talking about 2035 <laughs> and, uh, and TikTok commenters. This will be great. Um, let's do, let's go into off season player acquisition mode. Uh, just before we go, uh, we talked about all these names. We threw them out at the top, you know, your dream off season, et cetera. Um, Yamamoto, uh, Andy Martino says the Yankees have a better chance at him than the Mets. I'm not sure what that means necessarily, considering the Mets are definitely going to go all in. Uh, we know that, you know, there's been, there have been rumors that Japanese stars don't like to play or share locker rooms with other Japanese stars. Yeah. But Kodai Senga has been recruiting him. So I don't know why that would be a problem. And like Otani and Boston have been connected a little bit. Otani and Yamamoto, or Yamamoto in Boston, like, I don't know. Maybe some people are different. Maybe Yamamoto will go anywhere. But the indication for Martino is Yankees have a good chance. Yankees are the Mets are going to go all in. So will the Yankees, and the Yankees might have a better shot. Uh, Bob Nightingale said we are suddenly favorites for Cody Bellinger uh, with the Yankees, Cubs, and Giants all in that top three. That makes me nervous. Uh, that better serve as a bellwether for how aggressive they're going to be. But let's use this to to get into that conversation. Um, first of all, how nervous does Bellinger make you? I think you hinted at it earlier in the show, but like that number is going to climb. Yeah, I because I know Bellinger had a great year. I I feel like I'm one of the only people that think this too. But is it like that was his peak, and it's only going to go downhill from for the remainder of the years? And the price is probably going to be the highest after this season. Obviously, MVP in 2019, but following now. I would prefer someone else other than Bellinger. And if it's like a Soto or Bellinger, obviously I'd pick Soto. And again, I feel like they're, I know this sounds really bad and bad karma, but I feel like if they sign Belly, he's going to have an okay year next year. And then it's just going to consistently go downhill, similar to like a Stanton situation, then progressively get worse throughout the years. He's, I think he's what, 27, 28? Yeah, his age 28 season he's going into. So yeah. you get like, I guess, the decent front end prime years because usually free agents approach 30. Yeah. Um, typically, I think that's the average and Bellinger is a little bit younger. But I did have a crazy thought about what we could do. Carlos Correa for bench coach? Yeah, Carlos Correa for bench coach in 2040. Um, no, because Kate mentioned it earlier and I'm going to have to disagree because I do think there is a world in which Soto and Bellinger are possible because okay. remember – Soto is not signing an extension. And I think the Yankees know that that's not happening. Number one. And number two, I think even if he gets the free agency there, it's going to be tough for them to be, I guess, at the top of that bidding war because of all the other teams that are going to be interested in him. So what if you did, you trade for Soto, you get Soto one year, and then you see what happens in the off season. You sign Bellinger. I'm not for it, but it'll help in the meantime. And we need to get better. And then you trade for Jonathan India, you trade Glaber for pitching, and then, and then 
you know, there's uh, I think there's other cost effective pitchers we can go after because I, you're right, Adam. I'm not sold on us being the favorites over the Mets. I don't know why that would be the case. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that there is a weird there's the weird Steinbrenner Cohen thing where I don't think they're going to they're, they're not going to get in get in each other's way. So oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but that was my crazy thought that I had earlier. Jonathan India. I like it. Labor out. I do too. Um, I mean, yeah, Cohen and Steinbrenner are like weird besties. Like there was some Twitter discourse. Yes. There's some Twitter stuff today that was like, Hal's not going to want to be outbid in his first bidding war with Cohen. And I'm like, I mean, I don't think they're not going to want to be outbid. Like they're all, they're just kind of shaking hands. They don't even want to get into a bidding war. I don't think. Yeah. Because something came out about that last offseason, right? Like, isn't that when it? Well, Cohen, they, Cohen stayed away from Judge. That, that was, was, that was, that was the backdoor. That was like the backdoor handshake agreement that was reported. We don't know if it's true, yes. but yes. Um, which makes sense because you don't want to fully disrupt the balance of power in New York and have it be like that. But at the same time, like I don't know, all bets should be off in, in reality. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was the Steve Cohen. Like, if he really wants to be a crazy guy who scares everybody, like he would offer five hundred fifty million dollars for Aaron Judge, and they kind of just weren't even in. And it was like, oh, do these guys have like a secret agreement? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, that plays in perfectly, uh, Kate. Before we go, we do want to do in totality. Like, okay, if they're gonna be this aggressive, like we're talking big names, but we've also got the Brian Cashman press conference, and we've also got Hal Steinbrenner. Uh, not understanding why fans are mad. Um, and we've got plenty of, and we've got bigger than Rodon and we've got all these things and times when they haven't spent to their full capacity, uh, during a lot of your fandom, but you brought up a great point about the prime age superstars currently on the team. It's tough to, could be tough to justify going all in, but also tough to justify just taking a year off in terms of having an aggressive off season. You like, Press that button, like one to ten. How aggressive do you expect them to be, and how aggressive do you think they should be? Okay, I think they're. I would say like a seven. They're going to be aggressive. I would like it to be more of an eight nine because again, I, I mean, all of Yankees Twitter was saying, "Wow, Cole's Cy Young season is now out the window. We have nothing to show for it." I mean, what fourth in the AL East? I would say they're going to be like a seven because I don't know how much I trust cash and how but i would like them to be more of an eight and again go for the next two or three years i shot at the title in in my opinion because and i know you could make the argument yeah just go into a rebuild you got you know all of the kids and don't go for anyone but in terms of cole in terms of judge in terms of even anthony rizzo i think he's gonna have a comeback year but i say go all in and this is the time to do it yeah Thomas, what about you how aggressive do you want uh, him to be i think well what do i want i don't know like it all depends. It all depends if, you know, we talk about it and we've talked about it a million times. Is the spending this offseason going to hamper them going after guys who are better fits next year? I don't know. Um, my inclination is I think that um, the long-term free agents this time around outside of like Otani and maybe like Blake Snell and Yamamoto are going to hamstring you more than they're going to help you. I'm just talking about this Yankees team. But – on the, on the flip side, the Yankees believe that this roster is good. Mm-hmm. So I think that creates another problem here. Um, so I guess in considering all these hypotheticals of what I think they're going to do and what I think they think the reality is, you got to be super aggressive with trades. So you got to go after like um, someone like Jonathan India, Corbin Burns, um, Juan Soto, and just 
empty out, you know, empty out the farm to, uh, to, uh, you know, an extent that you're comfortable with and then figure out, you know, one of those two guys to extend. Like, I think, I know Burns is a, is, um, a Boris client too, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. right offer there, you could probably make that work. Juan Soto's a, in a league of his own and Boris is going to force free agency there, but I would rather them just knowing how they operate with money. They spent a lot last off season. If they do like Yamamoto and that's their number one target, like I think the spending is going to end there. Yeah. So if that's, if that's the one guy they go after, that's the big ticket acquisition from a money free agency perspective. And then I think they have to go hard on the trade market. I think like, yeah, what do I think? I think they're going to be probably, I think they're a 6.5 in terms of regression. And I think they need to be like, I think they need to be a nine with trades, not with money. I, I wouldn't probably yeah. money spending this off season. I agree. I, I was going to go exactly one notch down from Kate. I was going to say like, I want them to be a seven. I think mm-hmm. they'll probably be a six. Yeah, I, I agree. If people call Brian Cashman Ninja Cash, which is somehow stuck cash around god. forever, <laughs> Cash God, like he's going to have to be full Cash God because you <laughs> cannot spend your way out of this this offseason because we went through the targets. Soto will hit free agency next year, but we'd love to have him for one year. And like I said at the top of the show, you're talking to me today. I do think we get him. You're talking yeah. to me. After Thanksgiving, I had a slice of pumpkin pie, maybe another slice. I'm like, uh, I might be more iffy. We don't know. Right now, I kind of do feel good about that. But then spending, like, they're going to get into bidding war with the Mets for Yamamoto, who we like. But uh, that's a that's a big spend on a slightly unpredictable target. And Cody Bellinger, we all went around and decided, like, hey, he shows up on my team tomorrow, free of charge, and doesn't block any other signings. Great. Welcome Great. to the team. But, you know, the, the Yankees have proven that, you know, A affects B affects C and Corbin Burns next year, Willie Adamas next year, Soto hits free agency next year. You got to have the money to do that. So you can't waste a Judge Cole prime year. And there's nothing easier. The people on Twitter and Kate, hopefully there are fewer of these people on TikTok. And hopefully you don't, don't, think, there, don't think there are. Hopefully you don't read your mentions because there's everybody's, there's nothing easier than to just be like, rebuild sell everybody don't care hate everybody trade judge trade cole it's like nah it's really easy to say out loud but these are humans uh like it would suck if the yankees won 52 games next year like sometimes you want to grab people like are you enjoying the new york giants season because that's what like that's what happens when you tear a whole roster down it like really sucks you lose every single day so like if you you don't like that you're not gonna like that um but i'm sort of i think they should be pretty aggressive and i think they're going to be moderately aggressive and i think hopefully the non-tender deadline like we're going to lose some guys off this roster that's today, today or tomorrow today or tomorrow so, yeah. yeah we're gonna know more yeah very soon morosi just said we're gonna be until the very end in on bellinger just yeah. said it so that's okay. a double, double confirmation on wherever all that information's been coming from Fine by me. <laughs> yeah, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. Um, well, we'd love to stay on the live stream with you, Kate, until uh, the end of the Bellinger sweepstakes so that we could know what happens. <laughs> uh, we'll let you go. We really, really appreciate you spending so much time with us. Um, this was great. Uh, let us know and let the audience know where they can find you, what you've got coming up, and uh, big plans for the rest of the year. Yeah, sure. So on TikTok, Instagram, it's Ask Kate with two Ks, so A-S-K-K-A-I. And I have some football stuff transitioning a little bit towards the end of the year, but hopefully we'll be springing back with baseball in February. So I'm excited. Are you a Giants fan? 
I'm a Jets fan. Oh man, well I mean, what does it matter at this point? It <laughs> doesn't. Matter. Matter. It can't get any worse. Yeah, I mean, the, outside of a historical lens, like sure, we can we can go back and do that. But yeah, this is brutal. I watched yeah. that whole game last night. I don't know why. Literally, I, that's all everyone was tweeting. Like, why why am I wasting my time watching this game? That's the football thing, though. The difference between football and baseball, you're right. Of course, the football content does well because a horrible baseball game, people are like, I'm going to bed. The worst yes. football game ever, people are Our like, oh, it's a terrible <laughs> offsides call in the middle of the third quarter of Jets Raiders 12-9. It's like everybody is watching the stupid nonsense. So, of course, <laughs> it's doing great. It was awful. It was so bad. I feel like that's just been the theme, though. Also, ever since the first game with Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, I, why? Why am I watching this? It's so painful. Yeah, not a not a Jets fan, but I was excited to have a year with Aaron Rodgers in New York City. I was like, I wonder yeah. what that looks like. It'll be nice to follow, like when the Mets were in the World Series. Objectively, yes. not a Mets fan, but I was like, I'm a baseball fan. It's the thing I care about most. New York is going to care about baseball for the next week and a half. That's awesome, and that's yeah. how I felt about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And then three seconds later, it's like you got to be, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> It's it's awful. It's it's not a good time to be. I think any New York sports fan right now. I mean, I think the Rangers are doing. Rangers, well, yeah. Rangers are hot. Yeah. Other than that, it's like, oh well, all right. <laughs> maybe next year. Always, maybe next year, and maybe we'll have you. Hopefully, we'll have you back next year and and throughout the year to to talk about things and keep an update, keep track on how the offseason is actually going, whether they're getting closer to our dream or not. Uh, and then maybe how much of a disaster it's become. We'll we'll talk next summer. We'll see what's up. Um, but thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. Uh, on the live stream, YGY betting is the bet365 code. If you want to uh, bet the Jets under every game that they play, you can do that. Uh, I, I certainly bet on the Jets last night against them. Uh, it was great. I want money. Um, but that's the code. New users, make sure you check the episode description, sign up. If you aren't subscribed to the Inkscale Yard podcast on either YouTube or all your favorite podcast platforms, please do. Please rate and review us if you get the chance. No better time to hang out with us on the live stream, on the audio podcast, then during the offseason, because we get to make our own team. We get to play GM. We, it, the Yankees could be anything we want them to be until uh, they actually take the field. Uh, you mentioned, Kate, going in there for opening day. There was just such a stark difference between opening day and game two last year. It was magical on opening day. And yes. then it kind of kind of wasn't at all. So how about, like, you can sustain the magic yourself all offseason long. Hopefully you have a great 2024. Um, but for Kate Maniscalco, thanks for joining us. For Thomas Carinante, I am Adam Weinrib. We'll see everybody on Thursday uh, for another live show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.